0: So Jessica and I are going to tag team a little bit this morning, and uh, we do a lot of that everywhere we go. And so uh, we want to talk about, we both were, just had on our heart about the message of being, you're the apple of God's eye. You're the apple. And uh, part of it is that there's this Jason Upton song that is one of my favorites. How many of y'all know who Jason Upton is? Raise your hand. He did, you know he when he goes off on the prophetic song, he says, That guy, all right. But uh he says songs, I am the apple, I am the apple, I am the apple of my daddy's eye. And so you just and why do you think, you know, I've been talking about declarations and the importance of declarations. Why do you think there's so many of our worship songs nowadays that are repeating the same thing over and over again? Because God, yes, because God wants you to believe it. And so God has used worship songs as a method of changing our beliefs because you change your beliefs, you change your conduct. You can't try to get the cart before the horse. You've got to believe. If you believe the truth, conduct will follow. And so this is a, this is a large part of what the, being the apple of his, of his eyes, you got to believe that you're the apple of his eye. you got to believe that you're God's favorite and that he has a billion other favorites. But you're actually his favorite. It's, that's one of the mysteries of God, is that he can have a billion favorites. Or six billion, however many of the people there are on the earth. God has that capability. He's not like us, like Jessica was talking about. He can have six billion favorites, (laughs) and so, and whenever we encounter the love of God, it really humbles us. And so, make sure that's there. So, I want to talk about Esau and Jacob. I I don't. I think I murder the pronunciation of Esau. I'm going to call him Esau because that's the way it naturally comes out, Esau, Esau, all right? I say pecan, people say pecan. So so in in Genesis chapter 25, Jacob and Esau, it says, when Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field and was famished. So these two guys were brothers, in case you don't know this story. Esau was the oldest and they were born, they were twins, but Esau came out first and Jacob came out holding Esau's heel. And they were exact opposites. Uh, Esau was a manly man. He said he was covered in red fur, his own hair. And Jacob was a homeboy. He was, he was a mama's boy, he liked to cook. And there's, and there's nothing wrong with it, but he, his mama liked Jacob and his daddy liked Esau. Now, the only bad thing for Jacob is that firstborn gets, gets the blessing from the father <laughs> in that day. And, uh, and so this is, so you see, they're, they're polar opposites. They look very different from one another. So when Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field and was famished because Esau was a hunter. And Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there. For I am famished. Therefore, his name was called Edom, which means red. But Jacob said, Be careful what you did back in those days. They just name you right off the bat, sir. Give you a different name. But Jacob said, First, sell me your birthright. That's pretty, pretty strong. Esau said, Behold, I'm about to die. So, of what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, first swear to me. And back then when, we, when you swear, swore, you believe that there is actually consequences if you broke that, that promise. Like things would happen in the spirit that would not go well for you, that you would curse yourself, okay? And you now when you make covenant and you break it, there is, there is consequences. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So, the New Testament says, has some commentary on this exact account. In Hebrews it says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. Now, what happened after Esau sold his birthright and got the meal? Later in the story, Jacob dressed up like Esau. He put some fur on him made himself smell like animals. And Isaac couldn't see. And so when he was about to die, he was going to release the blessing, the father's blessing on his oldest son. But Jacob had disguised himself as Esau, so he got the blessing. And then Esau came in from the field and was like, what's going on here? And Isaac was like, wait, that's that's Esau. So who was I just praying for? Jacob. Oh. And Esau Pray for me. Give me the blessing. And, and the way they believed about blessing, it's like this tangible gift. It's like if I had a diamond ring. This, is, and the, this diamond ring represented the blessing. And I gave it. I can't get it back. I just have to give something else. But it's not like the first blessing. It's not like the blessing that goes to the, the firstborn. And so Isaac said, I can't. There's nothing I can do. It's been given. And so Esau from that day, was bitter with Jacob. And this is what this is talking about. This is the, the root of bitterness. Because Jacob had something he wanted. Now, Jacob, had to, he was striving and, and jealous of Esau, too, as the firstborn. So none of these guys were right. It's just that God happened to choose Jacob to want to extend the family line. How many of y'all have been the the first in your family to be saved or the first in your family to maybe have experiences in God outside of the family norm? Raise your hand. Okay? Why do you think God chose you? Was it because you're more awesome? We may have thought that. It's because he's just, he's got to start with somebody. He's got to start with somebody. Somebody has to change the legacy. And he just chose you because he wanted to. And that's the same way with Jacob. He just wanted Jacob to extend the promise throughout and for the Messiah to come through his lineage. Because Jacob wasn't, he wasn't, it wasn't because he earned it with his righteousness. All right. Now later he would have an encounter with God and when he became Israel. He would, he would wrestle with God. God's like, You're never gonna walk the same. Nobody wrestles with me and leaves unscathed. Okay. And so God knocked his hip out of joint and he had a limp the rest of his life. So it says, Don't be any like immoral, godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. This is what I get from this. Do not forsake your birthright for momentary comfort. God is a God of fire. He is the refiner's fire. And you can jump out of the frying pan whenever you're undergoing hardship, trial, whatever it may be, testing. Testing. And so the thing is, is that God is, wants to give you more. My, my children are learning how to drive a golf cart and that's a good step before they learn how to drive a car. It's not that you ha- they have to learn how to drive a golf cart before they learn how to drive a car, but they're probably gonna drive an tr- old beat up truck on their granddad's farm before they ever turn 14. And so, but I'm definitely going to be watching how they drive that truck. I watch how they drive the golf cart right now. And I definitely know who I would choose out of my children to drive me right now. (laughs) Her name starts with an L. The other ones are driving,
1: Dad, look at me! (laughs)
0: Woo! And so... But I'm I'm like, you get tested because God wants to give you more. He wants to give you a car. Got to drive the golf cart. <laughs> All right. But do not forsake your birthright for momentary comfort. Because if you're like, man, dude, I was born for a car, not a golf cart. That's my destiny. I was born for a car. That's so good. And uh, that's really an attitude, you know, not a very humble attitude. Because like anything you get from God, thank him for it. And God, uh, he wants to, you know, he gives you the small things before you can be trusted with the larger things. You know, Bill Johnson recently said he had a sermon. He was just talking about, you know, when there's an, you can creep into entitlement. You can creep into entitlement with some things when your agenda for your life is kind of bigger than than God.
2: <laughs> so in that, in that forsaking your birthright for a momentary comfort, I think a lot of times we don't think it's that in the moment. You know? Like looking back, we're like, Esau, you a fool. You know? You ever look back on your life and be like, Jessica, you a fool. You know? like But in the moment... He said he was dying of hunger. You know what I mean? So it wasn't just a bowl of soup to him. Like, so anyway, when Travis is talking about how the fire, the frying pan, it in that moment, it feels like the best thing you could do. Like, this is provision from God, the bowl of soup. You know, you kind of feel like that because you're all up in your flesh. But... And I have a, there's a sermon online, that um, uh, one of our podcasts, where I talked about leaning into your pain. That's what I'm talking about. Like, when we, if Esau be, like, crawling on the ground on his belly, he just can't move, he's so tired, he's hungry, you know. But we don't want to do that. We want to be strong. And so, um, so it, just in the moment, I just want to point out that it doesn't feel like a momentary comfort feels like life or death. And if you're in one of those moments, embrace it and know that you are being loved by God. It just is a different perspective. Like, I'm being loved by God? What? He doesn't put me through hard things. You need it because your flesh is alive. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he doesn't have to if our flesh is dead. But um, as long as our flesh is alive, all of him... Can't manifest. So, and in our flesh is where that bitter root springs up. It's in our flesh. Like the spirit doesn't have bitterness. So there's no room for that when, when we um, are dead.
0: We say that a lot around here that God's not trying to heal you, He's trying to kill you. Because Colossians 3 3 says, For you have died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. That's what baptism is about. I'm dying with Christ. That way I can receive life. Because the reason why God doesn't mind death is because he's really good at resurrection. (laughs) The reason God doesn't mind death is because he's really good at resurrection. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, he who hears my voice will receive life. He who believes and hears my voice receives life. And so it's that, it's that process of like, you know what? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not Travis Gay, born of Merle and Diane anymore. I'm Travis Gay, son of God. And I have... Merlin Diane, for awesome parents, but you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's like that's you are literally. There's, you have surrendered everything. You have surrendered the rights for everything. He has access to your money. He has access to your kids, to your wife, to your friendships, to your girlfriend, to your boss, to your mother, to your dad. All, you know, go on and on and on. He God I don't have any rights anymore I've given them up to have the rights of heaven I've given up earthly rights to have the rights of heaven And so that's the that's a good exchange <laughs> So we dress ourselves up like Esau I talked about that later, two chapters later. So how many times do we try to dress ourselves up like someone else in order to get a blessing? We have heroes in the faith that inspire us. God loves, he, he he brings people to inspire us and kind of help us know what life in God looks like. But he never wanted us to be them. My children are never going to be exactly like me no matter how much I try to make them like me. I can't make any of my kids love basketball the way I did growing up. I can't make them uh, have the same desires and passions and think the same way and have the same personality even look like me. And so we somehow, Zuri does look like Jessica. But you know what I'm saying? Like, so she, she's an anomaly. And uh, but I, you understand what I'm saying is that There is a unique expression of Christ in and through every one of you. And so the David Hogan's, the Todd White's, the Bill Johnson's, the Jack Frost, for for me and a few others, and uh, the Heidi Bakers, you know, on and on and on. They, God never wants another one of them. If he wanted a lot of David Hogan's, he would have made a lot of David Hogan's. I'm not going to... It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be discouraging. It's going to be defeating when I try to make, if I try to be like him. It's going to be frustrating, discouraging if I try to. It's like, man, Todd White encounters 15 people on the streets a day. I guess I got to encounter 15 people. And then it becomes a job. And it becomes, that's when, as Jack Frost would say, Christianity becomes a heavy trip, a heavy yoke. And so you have to know that God delights in you right where you are right now. And when you really understand that, when you really encounter that, when Jesus really communicates that to your heart, then you'll be free to have courage and do great exploits. That's when that's when it becomes you're not even trying, you're not even like. All right, I'm, I'm going to look. I've done it. This, I'm telling you, that's why I know all the way a lot of you guys think. I've been there. And so, like, whew, all right, got to get some encounters today. I'm a revivalist. <laughs> but it's, I'm getting it backwards when I think like that. Steve Fish, who's one of my mentors, he says, you know, he prays, God, let me just help me receive your love and just give it away to the person from it. It's just like, we can't love people without knowing that God loved us first. So in our relationship with God, even the Lord told me, he's like, you gotta receive my love before you try to give it away. That's how you need to start your day off. When Josiah was six months old, we had him on our bed and we did what we call ladybug kisses. And uh, you just, it's that little light nibble on the cheek. And I, I literally, for five minutes, nibbled on his cheek and he, he did not blink his eyes. I was like, is he like checking his pulse? I didn't know what was going on. And I was just, I called Jessica in there. I was like, Jessica, come here, look at him. And I was like, five minutes, didn't move. And now finally, I, my lips got dry. I couldn't kiss anymore. And so I, the Lord said, I wish you'd do that. I was like, all right. I'll try to be still a little bit more. <laughs> and so he can love on you. And then you got your whole your love tank is full, yes. overflowing. What happens when you put a cup in a river? Instant overflow. So that's where we want overflow, where it's like, it's just coming out of us because who we are. Then you see, then God speaks to you to do something. And you've got the overflow of love, which is the root of courage to do something. And so, knowing that you're the apple of God's eye breaks off jealousy and competition. Deuteronomy 32.10 says, He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of a wilderness. All right, and picture this. Nasty desert climate. Howling wind. Sandstorm. Dry. He encircled him. God just went... Cared for him and guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Imagine just God just slinging a cloak over you and hiding you in him. And so there's a, a verse in Zechariah 2. It says, he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. It's God speaking. I think it's Zechariah 2.8. He who touches you touches the apple of my eye. God don't like it. Somebody lays a hand on his child. That's the enemy. And so he is a defender. Yeah. What you want, babe?
2: So um so there's just a huge deal about knowing that you're the apple of his eye. It's a really big deal. And um and in this Jason Upton song, part of the beginning it says, um, you're the Messiah, you're alive. Like, give me one reason to doubt that you're Messiah. Give me one reason to doubt that you're alive. Give me one reason to doubt that I'm the apple of your eye. It's like the same thing. Like, we believe he's Messiah. We believe he's alive. But do we believe that we're the apple of his eye? Well, that seems to be, the jury's still out on that, right? Depends what day of the week it is. You know, like... What's up with that? It doesn't. The jury's not out on him being Messiah. So why is the jury out on if you're the apple of his eye? Because of your behavior? Now, in this moment, that doesn't make any sense to you. But for some, you know, it doesn't make sense for you to, you to change your mind about you being the apple. But when you're going throughout your week, this is how we act. Like, it's optional for us to be the apple or not. Now, I'm just going to read you something that you've heard before. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. Okay, let me tell you all something. Brenna was talking about how I love babies. It's true. Let me tell you what happens to Daniel and Lacey. They like walk around, Daniel walks around this beautiful woman for a couple years, and then she gets a big old tummy, and they're so excited, and then I don't really know them that well, but I got to know them in the hospital, and so even more, you know I had said hello and I was excited about their baby, but so I get to the hospital, and they're like in there, the two of them, and they're not looking at each other anymore, they're like looking at this baby, and she's just laying there, because when babies are born, they don't do anything but cry and poop. I mean, they're just looking at her, you know? So now she's home, and now she has a little personality and all this little character. But they, you still, you just watch them breathe. Do y'all watch her breathe? You, like, every now and then, like, sh- they sleep a long time, and you, like, go in there and put your hand on them, feel under their nose. Like, just to make sure, right? Y'all have done that? You know, that's what mamas do. That's what daddies do. That's what he's talking about. I know when you sit down and when you stand up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're the apple of his eye. When my children do something, I think it's the funniest thing in the world. Zuri has this new thing she does. She started it yesterday. She said, Mama, and it's true, Travis has described me this way, and I don't know why I do this, but I do. Like, we all have our little thing. She said, Mama, this is how you walk. oh my goodness, that is so true. Your daddy says the same thing. So <laughs> I don't ever see me from behind, but evidently I shake my bottom when I walk. And um, it's hilarious, right? So, but she's the apple of my eye. Of course, it's hilarious. So I'm like telling everybody to ask her to do it because I think it's so funny. It may not be funny to them, but I don't even care because I think it's funny, If I feel like that, a sinner about my daughter, what is the guy who made you, gave you your DNA, created your destiny? Think about you when you get up in the morning. The jury is not out about you. He's Messiah. He's alive. And you are the apple of his eye. It just is. Now, you can't do anything about that. I know I keep saying the same thing, but I want you to believe it. You can't do anything about that. You can't make him stop loving you. You can't make him stop thinking about you when you sit down and when you stand up. And I could keep reading for 24 verses about My frame was not hidden from you. When you made me in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed body and didn't say, oh no, I made a mistake. You said all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You mean even that day that I totally blew it? (laughs) And you still love me. Yes, so a few of us actually kind of get it. Like, we feel like the apple of his eye. And people who think that way live a little differently. Like, you know those people. And a lot of it has to do with how we're loved. It's just true. It's about our journey. I'm the apple of my earthly daddy's eye. He just loves me to pieces. He just does. And he does a really great job. So... I I received that as a child and as a young adult. And somehow, a lot of the things that caused me pain didn't affect that part of me. And so I live a pretty confident life about how God feels about me. Not everybody got that experience. My sister has the same dad, okay? Like, we have the same dad. But she didn't receive the love that I did even though he gave it. And so she doesn't feel like the apple of God's eye. So it's not his fault, positively or negatively, okay? So we can't blame him. I'm just saying, get yourself to that place of where the jury's not out on it. Read Psalms 139 when you wake up in the morning. That'll help. You believe the Bible? Then read it and say, this is me. Put your name in there. You know, do this. Say, good morning, God. You've searched me, and you know me. You know when Amanda sits, and you know when Amanda rises. You know Zacchaeus' thoughts from afar. You know when Teresa goes out. And you know, just, do it. just put your name in there, because it's about you. This book is about you. Okay, so I'm going to tell you just a little story. Am I okay? All right, I don't, we didn't collaborate his slides with my thoughts. Um, so, um, so I was out of town this weekend, and um, I um, was lost in Atlanta. How many of you have ever driven to Atlanta and been like two minutes from your destination, and traffic stops? I had my first experience like that last Thursday morning at 5.30 in the morning. Hallelujah. Somebody praise him. But I was listening to Jason Upton. So here it is, right? And right after that, about 6.30, when I actually... Have y'all been to the airport 285? You know the um, runway goes over 285, which is super cool. I was under that for an hour. Um, And... My my little GPS kept saying, "In half a mile, take a right," and I would have been turning into the airport, but I wasn't moving. And so when I did start moving, I was just totally stressed out because I couldn't find my parking lot. And I had Jason Upton playing, and my Voxer came through. If y'all don't use Voxer, you probably should. It's super fun, and you can use it when you're stressed out. And so in my little earbud came Brittany. Brittany called me or voxered me at 6.30 in the morning, um, or something like that. It was really early, right? Um, and, so, and, and gave me, like, a prophetic word. She's just like, I'm thinking about you, and I'm praying for you. And she, like, gives me this prophetic word, and it was just super encouraging. So, like, I've had kind of a dramatic morning, and I get this, because we're, we're a body, right? We need our friends. Um, and so I'm really thankful she just went ahead and did that and didn't just think it. She just went ahead and, and sent it to me. Um, do that if you think about somebody and it's encouraging, tell them. Um, so I go get on the airplane and I sit down next to this guy. And he's like a, you know, he's, he's like a young, good looking, very tall man sitting in this very small seat you know, and he's all folded up, and so we're getting to be really good friends, because there's two seats there, and so I am always very um, quick to explain to someone who is of the opposite sex, who seems to be in my age range, that I'm happily married, I just find a way to do that. It just helps make things not awkward. Not that people flirt with me often or anything. I just, like, get it out of the way. So I'm just, like, something about... I don't really know what to do with this bag. I don't ever travel without my husband, and he always carries this big old bag. And so... Because he's always taking care of me, and I just throw it in there, okay? So... Because um, some reason, they don't think the wedding band is, like, enough explanation. I just throw it out there that I'm happy <laughs> with the wedding band. And so... Um, <laughs> If y'all don't do that, you should. I mean, if you're married, it just helps to just clear things up and provides opportunities. And he was like, so um, how do you like being married? I'm like, I love being married. And so we get into a a two-and-a-half-hour conversation about how he doesn't believe in, he doesn't want, he believes in marriage and believes it's a strong covenant and it's important, but he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't know that he can be satisfied with just one person. So this person, I think, probably grew up in the church, and so he kind of has, like, some potty mouth situation going on, and he's talking about his multiple girlfriends in multiple states, and, and we're having this whole conversation, and I'm just, I mean, it was actually, he talked about sex a lot, and at one point, he asked me a question about his girlfriend, and I gave him my answer, and he was like, do you know her? And I'm like, no, I don't know her. He was like, you really should be a counselor. And I'm like, well, I'm not. I work for this. Because he asked me where I was going. I was like, I work for this. It was a work trip. So I'm like, I work for this, these doctors or whatever. And um, <clears throat> so we talked about the Bible some because he has studied all these religions. I didn't care about what he was doing with his life because he's the apple of God's eye. This dude, God cares about him, so why shouldn't I? The way I feel about myself affects how I treat other people. I mean, this boy, he's like 25, so I'm used to 25-year-olds. He's like laying, I mean, by the time we're done, he's like laying his whole heart out in the middle of the airplane, and I'm just like, you know, some things he's saying to me, of course, I'm, you know, I'm like, well, that's interesting. I'm like, you're really telling me this. I'm a total stranger. And um, so, so in the end, he said, um, I can't remember how it came up, but I said, yeah, so um, my husband and I do, I said something about in pre-marriage counseling. And he said, so what do you do? And I said, well, I work for these doctors, but my husband and I pastor a church. And I, his brain exploded inside of his head, and, um, and he started hitting rewind, you know, like trying to, like, I'm like, why do we do that? Like, be yourself. If you have a potty mouth and like to have sex with multiple girlfriends, that's who you are. And it is not up to me to try to change your conduct. But why do you do these things? You know, like, what do you believe? Like, what do you believe? Travis said that a couple weeks ago, and I have thought it over and over. You cannot change your conduct unless you change your beliefs. And this belief about being the apple of his eye really does change everything about the way we interact with ourselves and others and our Heavenly Father. So, I'm just saying, it was amazing. I got to have this, and part of the word Brittany had given me was about encountering someone that I could just love on and be a mother to, and that's exactly what happened. And so, the whole time I'm on this plane, I'm like, God, you've evidently given me what I need for this guy, but I'm totally, I mean, you know, I don't, and and so, he, like, is a, he's a, it was funny. I actually boxered Brittany, but, and I said, he's, like, a musician, and he produces music for, like, um, Ludacris and Drake, but I don't know who they are, <laughs> so, <laughs> I really don't, I mean, I just listen to Disney music now, so I'm, like, I don't know who they are, but he's, like, they're his friends, and, um, Yeah, yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just don't know who they are, but it doesn't matter. Like, he's important. This guy beside me who produces their music and plays the piano on their bands, like, he's important to me because he's the apple of God's eye, not because he knows these other guys that do whatever. (laughs) So, (laughs) anyway, um, that's just one encounter with someone because they're the apple of God's eye because God knows when he sat down on that airplane and when he stood up, he was going to question everything he believed. So I'm really excited about that.
0: That's awesome. So knowing that you're the apple of God's eye breaks off competition and jealousy because you're not trying to be like that person anymore. Um, what I want us to do next is this is going to be an active exercise. I like that. If you you're hung around the awakening long enough, you know I like activation. So you celebrate others and you destroy the works of the devil because jealousy, work of the devil, yes or no? Yeah, yeah. Strife. Yeah. Coveting. Yeah, no. All right. So, Psalm 20 says, this is David. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob set you securely on high. May he send you help from the sanctuary. Now, get that. What's in the sanctuary? What's in heaven? Dude, like, gobs and gobs of angels. Revelation says, 10,000 times 10,000, myriads upon myriads, and support you from Zion. you get getting throne room support. May he remember all your meal offerings and find your burnt offering acceptable. Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your counsel. Now, I want you as we're reading this. Imagine, like, if you had this heart for everybody you came in to contact with. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your counsel. We will sing for joy over your victory. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. This is one of the core values of the awakening, celebrating others' victories. You go to the website, it's there. That means it's official. But we have Isaiah 6210 commission, which is, preparing the way before the peoples, lifting up a standard, uh, removing the stones and lifting up a banner over the peoples. And the banners are flags, standards, some translations. And it, lifting up a banner is basically we're, we're calling you by who God sees you are. We're going to call you by that. And so when you lift up a banner, may the God, we will, in the name of our God, we will set up our banners as we sing for joy over your victory. So what I want to do this morning is I want to, I haven't told anybody this, but I want a few people to share some testimonies this morning. And then what we're going to do is actually celebrate over the top. Because there's been times where somebody's gotten healed and we did a golf clap. It's worth celebrating more than that, yeah. Or the sarcastic clapping family, if you ever watch Saturday Night Love. (laughs) Anyways, golf claps, whatever, sarcastic clapping, none of that in the awakening. And so part of, like, my purpose in this is, like, when you go, you just, like, get out of your head, and you celebrate, and you're doing, yeah! (laughs) So when you go extreme, your norm is, like, above average. (laughs) And so you got to see what it looks like to, to really celebrate. So what I want, Greg, come on up here, man. Share, share your testimony. And I want to have uh, John Tran. You're going to come up here after him. But uh, just tell me what you told me this morning about uh, singing, it, singing in tongues. Um, hello, y'all.
3: Um, so just a quick testimony. It was la- this week. Um, it was like Tuesday. We were planting a bunch of plants in the ground, <laughs> <coughs> and uh, I was just with my these student workers that I'm with. There was four of them, three of them, and then me. And uh, this was like a hundred foot plot, and we had twenty rows, and we had like a thousand plants. So they're like we were just hand shovel, just putting them in, and I was like, man, I like really this is uncomfortable like just bent over but I was like but I had the joy of the Lord bubbling up inside of me and I usually sing a lot when I'm doing work and so I know Justin Smith is this one guy who works with me you guys might know him I just said his name now but um (laughs) he uh I've like had a conversation with him before and he's like grew up Baptist and like just on the fence about so many different things and um so I know like I don't want to just be like blasting Jesus in his face um and so I was like, well, I'm just going to sing in my own language. And so I was like, just, you know, putting plants in and there over on the other side of the plot. And I just started singing a song. And it's like, you could call it tongues, man. You could call it whatever you want to call it. But it was just my own language that I couldn't even really understand. Just the sound that was coming out of me. And uh, man, I was like, just kept doing it. They're like, dude, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm singing. And they're like, it "Sounds like Lion King or something." And I was like, <laughs> "I'm just saying." And so, I just kept doing it, and um, someone made a comment. They're like, "Man, I don't. You just do some weird things at work sometimes, man." And, <laughs> and so I was like, "Whatever." I'm like, I was excited about the Lord. Like, Lord, thank you for this day, this work, these people, like sun, like everything. It's just joy. I'm joyful, and uh, all of a sudden, I hear like. After I got done singing, I just hear Jesus. And like, they're having a conversation about Jesus. And I didn't even. (laughs) So, yeah, thank you,
1: (laughs) Jesus! Yeah.
3: And then real, real quick, too, which is even cooler, like God took another step, and Justin was telling me, he was like, we, he just started talking about gospel worship, and that's like my new favorite worship because of Hill Chapel. <laughs> and he was like, man, two years ago, I went to this random church in Athens, and like 12 people asked me to go to lunch with them after, and it was a gospel church. I was, I was like, what was it called? And he was like, I think it was like Hill Chapel. <laughs> And I was like, "Oh yeah. yeah. Woo-hoo!
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is how you celebrate, John, come on up. So John is, uh, this is his last Sunday at the Awakening for a season at least. Yeah, yeah, he's, um, you know, going to be moving back to Warner Robins. But um, this is, you know, he's John walks with God. So everywhere John walks, there's a victory. So just tell us a little bit, man, about what you're going to be doing. Okay. Yeah, so um,
4: I went on a little missions trip um, to Vietnam uh, in April of two thousand fourteen. Yeah, right now it's two thousand fifteen, and I was there for about six months. And um, since I came back, um, I've been here in Athens and just kind of like job searching and kind of seeing, or like what what do I have next? And. Um, it's over the years. It's kind of been like weighing on my heart, like for my family. Um, I have a really big family. Um, there's like seven of Well, there's seven siblings. I'm the second youngest out of seven, four sisters and three brothers. Um, yeah, and so our 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 house is like always hectic. And but there's always like kind of been a um, a grace of God, like over my life and over my family, that there was just this unity um, about us. Um, that just always stuck, um, and that's like something like my mom would all like always preach, and just like, you know, we, w- we have to stick together, you know, we have to be there for one another, and that type of thing. And um, when I was over in Vietnam, I was actually able to um, visit her hometown. Um, her hometown's called uh, Phuc, Phuc Thanh, which is um, a little rural town um, off the, uh, off the um, southeast coast of Vietnam, and uh, I would hear stories from Mai, who uh, I went to uh, Vietnam with. Like, her, her village was, like, right next to my mom's. And they would say how, like, how—they would say, like, how just they, they stuck together so much, like, through the trials and tribulations. They ended up—what um, had happened uh, with the Vietnam War and everything was that, like, there was a wave of Vietnamese—I'm Vietnamese-American— um there was a wave of Vietnamese uh people uh, that moved uh down south from the communist regime in 1954 and then in 1975. And so um my mom was originally from the north and she moved down to the south and they're just they just stuck together. Um but yeah, um kind of going off all on tangents, but uh basically I was just kind of like have this love for my family. Um Ever since I was a little boy, and um, I think uh, it was it was like 2010 when I like met the Lord and um, really encountered Him. And before then, I was just I thought that just I'd just be a good good man or a good person and I'd get to heaven. But then just realizing that I'm like I'm I'm missing the whole point of like Jesus. Jesus is the reason that like causes me to do good and to to love people and everything. And I was like whoa, you know. So that like kind of shook up my whole identity and um you know 'cause I would just believe oh man, like I'm I'm a great person and people like me and that type of thing but just like when the Lord kinda spoke to me is like, No, you're a sinner saved by grace through faith it's like, Whoa Wow. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing ever good about me but it's like you that caused me to do it. Um but so um, I've been back for uh five months. I got back in November and um just was like all right laura well i'm gonna I'm gonna job search and i'm gonna look around for things and see what's next but I feel like there was a reason why um it didn't happen and uh I really feel and I believe that I'm supposed to be back home and spend time with my mom and um uh, my family and um I'm just like really excited about. Bringing like what God has taught me here at the Awakening with Travis and Jessica, and with this community of people here that have loved me so well, and that have just encouraged me, and that have like pushed me to to do what God has put on my heart. And so, um, you know, it was just a testimony of um, I feel like God's just bringing me back home to share the love that's in me. Um, so. Yeah.
1: We love you!
3: John! We love you! We love you! Can you talk that? you're digging
4: So um if this means anything, um well I was gonna uh share um Nathan just reminded me about something. Um just a little bit of background. Um I graduated high school back in 2006, and so we're having a like a class reunion in 2016. And uh yeah, like some I mean we, we would um what am I trying to say? Um basically like there's been uh some classmates that would, uh, on Facebook, that would keep in touch with one another and all, and um, uh, there's kind of been this pattern where I would see uh, some classmates talk about, like, uh, their Muslim faith and all, and it's been, like, really, really interesting, because that's, that has never been a thing in my hometown, and, uh, I mean, we live in the Bible Belt, and there's tons of churches and everything, but that's just been interesting, and um like uh I think something that has has pulled my heart is that like um just Lord like h- how is that happening, how is that happening that like classmates are are turning to this this false god or this 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 god that doesn't even exist, or you know how have they fallen away and all and um so you know that was something that Nathan was reminding me of um that I had shared uh, previously with um, with Facebook and you know, on Athens Combine, just like how my hometown, there's been cl- some classmates talking about him. And um, I'm just, that's something that I'm like gonna like go to war with um, and just like pray, pray for the Lord to like, you know, shake a, shake that town and like really uh, br- bring them to um, Jesus, you know? Yeah. And so.
0: Let's pray for it. All right, we're going to pray for John. Father, we just declare that the spirit of the Lord is upon him to preach good news, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners, Father, to bind up the broken hearted. And Lord, you've given John everything that he needs in the Holy Spirit. So Father, we send him out with our blessing. Father, may he just surf the wave of our rejoicing over him down to Warner Robins, and, uh, and he always knows that he has family up here in Athens. And Lord, just um, we thank you for him. We bless him, bless him and keep him. Cause your face to shine upon him and be gracious to him. Lift up your countenance again, uh, upon him and give him peace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Thank you, man. Okay. Um, Jessica's got, we're going to play this song. Also, real quick, I'm, Kevin Johnson just got the ability, he's going to be purchasing a red Epic camera this week, which is epic. Is it a red Epic camera? I'm sorry, can I say that? I was just like wanting to rejoice, <laughs> sorry. So like, it's like a, a huge thing if you're in video and stuff. So let's just give him a shout Or like, woo! come on. Come on. Yeah! Awesome, awesome. All right, we're going to play this song by Jason Upton. This is going to be like our, um, kind of our, our, our ministry time song. If I, if, you, if you'll stand up with me. for our ministry team will come on this side or along the brick wall. But, uh, if you need prayer for healing, uh, physical healing, if you, need, if you want a pro- prophetic word, if you just need encouragement, somebody to agree with you, our ministry team would love to do that. And they'll be over there against the wall um, waiting. And so we want, I'm, we're going to listen to the song by Jason Upton and just declare it over yourself that you are the apple of God's eye and that he loves you. And so uh, we're going to play it and you're as free to go as you go
1: played defense in my trial. Yeah. Quietly hanging there bleeding while I cast laws for his role. time. say